It's Plan B with Rebecca Davis, and the whole family is here. What a charming young man you are bringing up. <laughs> Thank you, John. He is very talented. <laughs> 11 months old and already quite clearly going to be a star in one or another field. That's right. You know, I could list all the things he can do by now, but it would take less time to list simply the things he can't do. And those are? Oh, I mean... I mean, quite a lot, actually. But one thing that he does have is this unnerving strength. I call him Baby Hercules. Today he crushed a can in his infant hand. As no. If it were nothing, he did. No. He did. He's got a freakish strength, which is, as I say, a little bit unnerving considering he's 11 months. But it bodes well, John. It all bodes well. And generally, children who don't know me, children of this sort of age, when they are brought near to me, they, they tend to cry. Recoil. Yes. Mm. Mm. I didn't want to use a word <laughs> quite as dramatic Recoil as that. in horror. Yeah, recoil in horror. But uh, Miles sat with me quite happily. I well, I, yeah, he was a little... He was a little sort of, um, who is this at the beginning? Perhaps it's the facial hair. Maybe they. He's actually quite a fan of a beard. He likes to give uh. it a good tug. But I could see, John, he was drawn to the, I think the kindness in you greeted the kindness in him, a sort of namaste. Oh, namaste, namaste. Mm. Not much namaste between Fikila and Balula and Carl Niehaus. No, this none week. at all. So, Cyril Ramaphosa apparently, by the way, speaking in Parliament this afternoon, gave his strongest reassurances that law enforcement will at no stage be under political interference. He said, this is the only way to restore the rule of law in this country, political, no political interference, which is good news when it comes to one ANC Secretary General, Ace Magashule, which leads us to the Transport Minister, Fikile Mbalula. So, Mbalula has done away, apparently, with a number of bogus security contracts at Prasa, the rail parastatal, which appear to have been handed out like sweeties to the Mkontawesiswe Veterans Association. In response, MKMVA have responded with fury. And they had a march in Johannesburg last weekend, ostensibly complaining about the poor rail service in Johannesburg, but allegedly actually because the tap has been turned off to these security contracts they were getting at Prasa. And in their march, they very specifically named the transport minister, Fikila Mbalula. And he seems to have taken this astonishingly personally. I mean, maybe it does sting a bit more when that kind of critique comes from your supposed comrades. But he launched this kind of Twitter feast on Monday, um, criticizing in particular the MKMVA figures, Carl Niehaus, notorious fraudster, and Kebi Mapatswe. But also making it clear that Carl Niehaus is linked to Ace Magashule. So he says, Niehaus is employed by Magashule at Lutuli House. He wants to make that very clear. And he also tweeted and then deleted. This was the, the kind of star tweet. He said, I'm not afraid of them. Jacob Zuma, Carl Niehaus, Kebi Mapatswe, Busisiwe Mkwebane, and Ace Magashule. So this is fascinating because here is the whole transport minister of the cabinet making explicit what all of us have suspected for some time, that there really exists this fight back cabal, and he's naming them. And it includes the public protector, Busisiwe Mkwebane. And nobody in the ANC has said this. You know, we've heard criticism of the public protector via the courts from the president, from Praveen Gordon. But this is a transport minister saying... These are the people who are fighting back. And he's making that explicit. And why this is interesting, John, is Mbalula is an arch-political opportunist, right? He supported Zuma back in the day. He supported Nkosa Zanad Lamini Zuma before Nazarek. But he's got a very, very 
kind of cunning ability to pivot when he sees in which way the political winds are blowing. And if Magashule is ranting very publicly about NC Secretary General Ace Magashule, then that bodes very well for those of us who would like to see Magashule face prosecution at some point for his alleged misdeeds in the free state, because that suggests that the balance of power in the ANC is now very much on the forces of Cyril Ramaphosa. Yeah, I think it was Peter Bruce who said in a column earlier today that essentially there's no more Zuma faction. There is now an RET, Radical Economic Transformation faction within the ANC. Who are clearly very weak. There's no pro-Zuma, I think I might have said anti-Zuma, but there's no Zuma faction because there, there is just this really reduced grouping of people who resort under the RET umbrella. And if those are them, I mean, two MKMVA nobodies, the public protector who's by any stretch of the imagination has to be on her way out, and Ace Magashule, who we know is on the legal ropes, well then, Jacob Zuma needs to find himself some more powerful allies. Okay. Oh, interesting <laughs> times. Interesting times. What kind of an accent do you do in the play that you're in, John? I've been wondering. No, no, I, I don't do an accent. I, I thought I, it I might do. be an American. No, because we don't. We yeah. The, the the character is somebody who who deals with the miserableness of his life mm. by remembering the cowboy flicks he watched with his dad. Right. And he imagines himself as a frontiers man, as somebody who seeks true justice in a world that forgot to balance the book. So he sees himself as as a cowboy, as an antidote to the lily-livered poltroon that he really is. A poltroon. And so one doesn't want an accent because then you locate it in a particular place and maybe at a particular time when this is meant to be. Okay. I got you. I'm very much hoping to see that play. I hope you can. How walkable the city is Cape Town? Not very. Yeah, I mean, sure, no, it is. Surely it's a reasonably walkable city. Well, I suppose the question is how we're defining Cape Town. Do we mean literally the center of Cape Town, or do we mean the wider conglomeration of suburbs, etc.? Well, then surely no cities are walkable in that sense. That's right. I would assume so. So researchers at the Institute for Transformation Transportation and Development Policy have done this international study looking at which cities are the most walkable. Because they say making cities walkable is actually essential to improving health, to cutting climate change, emissions from transport, and to building strong local communities. So there's really good reasons to make cities walkable other than just letting people walk. And of course, you'd hope that Cape Town and all South African cities would be walkable because we have such terrible public transport that, you know, we really need it. So one of the things they looked at was what proportion of a city's inhabitants lives within a 100 meters or less of a park or other car-free area, like a square, okay. pedestrianized street, etc. The top city in the world in that regard is Hong Kong, where 85% of residents live within that market. In Cape Town, they say 33% of residents do. And I actually think that might even be too high. Do you live within a 100 meters of a park or yes, square? Yes, I do. You do? I live within a 100 meters of two. Oh, that's very jammy for you, John. But I mean, I even and I, I mean, surely, surely that is that figure is skewed by the fact that the the park areas to which one can walk are located in a very specific middle class part of Cape Town, the old white areas of Cape that Town. That is true. There, there are strips of park-like 
terrain, even you know on the Cape Flats or whatever. Another marker: How many residents live within one kilometer of education and healthcare? The top in the world being Paris, eighty-five percent. Cape Town doing wow. very badly on that marker. Twenty-three percent of residents only living within one kilometer of that. And then the third marker, which Cape Town does well in, is the average size of city blocks, because smaller blocks make it easier and quicker for people to walk to their destinations without having to take lengthy detours around huge buildings. So as you might know, if you've been to America, often people say, oh, it's two blocks that way, and you're walking for 25 minutes or something because these blocks are so huge. Cape Town does well. On average, we have 61 blocks per square kilometer, and the ultimate goal apparently should be 80 blocks. The best city in the world, oddly, is Khartoum. That is a marker which seems a bit weird because it, it it forces a kind of density that perhaps some people might say is not necessarily that desirable in a city. But in general, do encourage your listeners to go and take a look at the report. It's really interesting. Just Google walkability in cities, and you can also play around with your neighborhood, assuming they have the data for it. Cape Town needs to do some work on making itself truly walkable. Mark, in Pinelands, just what's up to say, walkability is also a function of density, which Cape Town's middle class opposes. I don't know if that appears in the... That's, no, that's exactly right. That's what I was just saying. Density yeah. and walkability go hand in hand. Many people don't want density in their areas in particular. And then... There's a link between the musical genre that one favors and one's personality. What would you say if you had to choose your ultimate favorite musical genre? If you're going to be played a song and you didn't know what song that was, what would you ask for? Look, I mean, I, I, I'm very fond of a lot of musical genres, but, Mm -hmm. you know, what genre would you listen to if you were absolutely forced to? Depends on my mood, but I would say I am more likely to listen to blues than anything else. I, I love blues, I love rock, I love classical, I love jazz, I love hip-hop. Blues, I love... you say, John. How very interesting. Why? Well, that suggests that you are agreeable and emotionally stable. Now, far be it from... <laughs> Neither of those is spot on. From me the exception to... proves the rule. So Spotify asked users of the music streaming service to complete a personality test. Sounds like one of those Myers-Briggs tests where they score you on extroversion and uh, conscientiousness, etc. And then they looked at these users' musical history and they found that the songs people listened to were a moderate to high predictor of their personality types. So if you listened mainly to a certain genre, that correlated pretty well with certain personalities. And the two things they said which correlated best with genre were emotional stability and conscientiousness. Um, So actually, if you're an employer, for instance, you might want to ask potential hires what kind of music they listen to, because if they listen to funk or soul, they are most likely to be conscientious, or at least to consider themselves conscientious. Blues, as I said, John, agreeable, emotionally stable. R&B and country music, more likely to be an extrovert. Jazz, also agreeable. The jazz and blues seem very nice people. Alternative introverted rock also introverted which is interesting punk associated with antisocial emotionally unstable emo and also introversion and emotionally unstable and indie what music kind open of music do you favor rebecca davis i mean i love country music and i'm not even ashamed i mean i don't like modern like i don't know I don't know what is modern. I like classic country music, which makes me an extrovert, which is not entirely true either. Otherwise, I'd have to say, I suppose, um, maybe rock, which suggests I'm introverted. So I'm both introverted and extroverted at the same and time. Only Rebecca Davis could pull that off. That's right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Miles. Thanks for coming.